What's the danger of Christians shutting themselves off to truth and not having eyes to see or ears to hear or a willingness to say, no, the economy is not enough for my vote? Let's talk about it today on The Week That Happened, the WTH version of the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast. We're talking religion and politics on the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast. I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and I wouldn't lose any voters, okay? Challenging the mindset of the partisan evangelical church and asking the question, is God really a conservative Republican? And does God require his followers to be? Podcasting worldwide on the NPE network at npepodcast.com. This is the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast with the Nonpartisan Evangelical himself, your host, Paul Swearingen. Hi, everybody. It's Paul here. I am the nonpartisan evangelical. Glad to be talking to you today. And I suspect I'm talking to you in your home. Uh, because if you're like my hometown of Fresno, California, we are on shelter in place. In fact, uh, the mayor of our city just uh, gave that edict that they're encouraging everyone to shelter in place as of midnight tonight on Wednesday, March 18th. Not to go out for anything other than absolute essential, doctor appointment, grocery shopping, those types of things. And if you do go, keep the six feet distance from everybody. And so that's what we're doing in our household. My wife, her office shut down on Monday. My kids' school shut down on Friday. And so we're all here in the house as I'm doing this podcast from my home studio right now. So I hope you guys are doing well where, where you are. And nobody is suffering from uh, the uh, coronavirus illness or any other illness at this point. But if you are, um, be well. And one of the things I'm saying is the opportunity of this time is how can we show each other how we can take care of ourselves in this time. And the other thing I'm talking about is the danger, the opportunity of what we get to see now. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the president and Fox News and what's been going on in this season. And I know what's going to happen. Many of you are going to either shut down and turn it off right away, or you're going to say this, what I've heard from a lot of people, now's not the time to politicize this thing. And I agree. And so what I want to say is this is not about politics. I don't believe what's going on in our country, either by from the pandemic or from the mindset that uh, I've been talking about for so long, is embodied in the person of President Trump or anybody else from any other one political party. So, so let's just put that aside. What I am talking to is the mindset, and, and when I'm talking about nonpartisan evangelical, I'm talking about the partisan mindset of the evangelical church that has been so in place for so long. And so, so hear me out. The, the, the evangelical mindset that, that allows people to say this about us. I spoke with one of the most prominent evangelical Republican leaders this, earlier this week and asked him, is that 81% that Donald Trump received in the last election, 81% of the white evangelical vote going to be there again. And he suggested to me, not only would it be there, but that they were aiming for upwards of 83%. So they're trying to drive that higher. So that's what I'm talking to, is why do we feel it's so important to support a person from our party, and particularly this president, so vigorously, no matter what? 
And here's what it's embodied itself in. And here's what the danger of it all is, is that now we're in a place where we have a pandemic, a virus, if I can use the word everybody's using, the pandemic. And I still, still have Christian friends around me who are saying, it's a hoax. We're doing too much. Why are we doing this? Why would we injure the economy? Because the economy has become so important to us. We, we do not want to ever have any pain in our lives of a slowed down economy. So we're willing to run up a $23 trillion deficit on the backs of our grandchildren and great grandchildren to make sure we don't suffer any pain today. And because our stance as Christians has been, hey, as long as the economies are good and, and as long as the Supreme Court justices are being appoint, appointed, who cares what the president has to say? Who cares what he tweets? Who cares? Why do you care? Are you just sensitive, Paul? Are your little feelings hurt? This is what I've heard for a long time. Here's the danger. We now are on lockdown in our homes. And I think it's in part because we had the president saying messages and his favorite news channel. And sorry, again, I don't want anybody to be shut down by that. But let's be honest now. So so let's just be really honest about what we're talking about. I have some sound from what Fox News has been saying about the coronavirus over the last month and what they're saying now that yesterday, as of this recording, March 18th, yesterday on March 17th, that the president finally acknowledged how serious the issue is, how that story has changed. And so just just listen, this is a compilation of some things that Fox News Channel personalities were saying and what they're saying now. Listen. You want to know how I really feel about the coronavirus, Juan? If I get it, I'll beat it. <laughs> I'm not lying. It's the, called the power of positive thinking. And I think they're America laughing about to it. Wake up to that. I am no longer going out to dinner. I was trying to help my local restaurants. Yeah. But I urge all my fellow Americans, no matter where you are, to respect the social distancing urging from the president of the United States. So see how they were laughing at the coronavirus and... Then when the president made a statement yesterday, it's completely changed, which is good. I'm glad the message has finally changed. But again, we're talking about the danger of the message. So next here, I have a host on Fox News named Trish Reagan. And this is what she was saying and then what she's saying now. So this was then. The hate is boiling over many in the liberal media using, and I mean using, coronavirus in an attempt to demonize and destroy the president. This is yet another attempt to impeach the president. And sadly, it seems they care very little for any of the destruction they are leaving in their wake. We must test for the virus in order to stop the spread of it. What could be a very great recession, some predicting even a depression. At worst, worst case scenario, it could be. Sorry, let me cut that. But so you see the change in the story. And Trish Reagan, by the way, it looks like is going to be taken off the air because of, of what she said there. So just a couple of more to hear, just to get the feel of what was being said before and what's being said now on Fox News. At worst, worst case scenario, it could be the flu. I feel like the more I learn about this, the less there is to worry about. I was about to say the same thing. We don't have immunity to this virus. It's a new virus. It's a pandemic strain of a virus we haven't seen before. All the talk about coronavirus being so much more deadly doesn't reflect reality. Without a vaccine, 
the flu would be far more deadly. We are facing an incredibly contagious and dangerous virus that is moving across the world from one hotspot to another. We're going to call out anyone and everyone who's using this virus as a political weapon against the president. The standard flu every single year kills tens of thousands of Americans. We are now entering what will be the crucial defining 15-day period as it, as it relates to this virus where we must slow the spread of coronavirus. It's actually the safest time to fly. Everyone I know that's flying right now, terminals are pretty much dead. We have a responsibility to slow down this virus and to think of other people during this time. And so if you can keep your distance and prevent someone from getting close to you that might be sick, you can save yeah. your family, you can save the elderly and help our country as a nation. It is absolutely disgusting that Democrats are seeking to use this complex virus to score cheap political points. This dangerous health crisis could dovetail quickly into a political crisis, already feeling economic ramifications of it all. So you see, again, I, 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 my fear is everybody's going to shut down and, oh, it's just a, you know, it's a, it's a partisan thing. No, what we have to be is really honest. The blessing of this virus is it gives us a chance to be really honest with one another. Fox News, you heard, was mocking the coronavirus and mocking the media's coverage of it. And so because of that, my Christian friends right and left around me have been saying this is a media created hoax. A, a pastor that I love from a great church this past Sunday, this past Sunday, told his people that the virus was 95% a media created hoax and that if you just washed your hands, you'll be fine. And he told people to stop being stupid. That was this past Sunday. That's the danger when we say, well, why, you know, I know I wish the president wouldn't tweet. I wish the president wouldn't do this or that. But as long as the economy's good, and as long as the right Supreme Court justices are being appointed, then that's what God would have us to do, to support him no matter what. And again, this is not about the president. This is about the mindset that drives us to Support that no matter what. That's what I'm talking about. How did we get to this place? So where did Fox News start to do this? Is, is the president the victim of Fox News in this? Well, let's, let's listen to what the president has been saying about the coronavirus over the past couple of months. The coronavirus, you know that, right? Coronavirus. We think we have it very well under control. We have... Very little problem in this country at this moment. Well, we pretty much shut it down coming in from China. We're going to see what happens, but we did shut it down, yes. You know, a lot of people think that goes away in April with the heat, as the heat comes in. We're in great shape, though. And you know, in April, supposedly, it dies with the hotter weather. Looks like by April, you know, in theory, when it gets a little warmer, it miraculously goes away. I hope that's true. And I think the numbers are going to get progressively better as we go along. We have it very much under control in this country. Because of all we've done, the risk to the American people remains very low. It's going to disappear. One day, it's like a miracle. It will disappear. You know, it could get worse before it gets better. It could maybe go away. We'll see what happens. Nobody really knows. Now the Democrats are politicizing the coronavirus you know that right? coronavirus and this is their new hoax the hoax is on them not i'm not talking about what's happening here certainly not referring to this how could anybody refer to this this is very serious stuff anybody that needs a test can have a test they're all set are you afraid that the virus is getting close to the virus 
No, I'm not concerned at all. No, I'm not. It will go away. Just stay calm. It will go away. To keep new cases from entering our shores, we will be suspending all travel from Europe to the United States for the next 30 days. This is the most aggressive and comprehensive effort to confront a foreign virus in modern history. We're in great shape compared to other places. Uh, we are in really good shape. Yeah. No, I don't take responsibility at all. It's all over the world. It's incredible what's happened in such a short period of time. But I've always known this is a this is a real this is a pandemic. So let me be clear. I, I'm I'm extremely happy that the president declared a national emergency yesterday on Tuesday, as I'm recording this on Wednesday. I'm happy for the steps being taken. But the unfortunate thing is it took our governors to get out ahead of the president because the president was still telling us everything was okay. It's going to miraculously just disappear. And my feeling, and again, uh, this may not be completely true, and, and, and I've had people say, oh, the president never called it a hoax. And I think that's probably true legalistically. But his followers, Fox News, they said it's a hoax. The people around me who follow the president and Fox News, they were saying it's a hoax. So whatever the president said, and you just heard a, a compilation of his statements there, it caused the Christian people, the evangelicals who follow and protect and defend the president at all costs to say they believed it was a hoax. And some of them are still saying it today, even as our kids are not in school and we're on a complete lockdown. It's... It's time for us to, to sit and think as we're sitting at home, sheltered in places, as we're worshiping together as families, which is actually kind of a cool opportunity to start to look in the mirror and ask ourselves, how did we get to this place where truth no longer is important to us? And the danger, the danger of having a president that doesn't value truth or facts or reality is this, in a crisis when we needed to trust our administration, very few of us did. I'm not saying this is the only president that we haven't been able to trust fully, but usually in crisis, we trust. Now, we trusted President Bush after 9-11, and it ended up he lied to us about weapons of mass destruction. So I get why we distrust. I get that our presidents spin and do all those things. But at the end of the day, we should have been better than this in this moment. Now, would we still be on lockdown today if the president had been honest a month ago about testing and all those things? Maybe. It may have happened anyway. It may be that we couldn't stop it. And and I'm okay with that. But here's the problem, is the president's still not owning the mistakes today. I, I do executive coaching for leaders. And one of the things I say that's important in building trust together on an ongoing basis is that we say, I made a mistake, and I'm going to own that mistake. And you heard the president, even in that montage, say, I accept no responsibility. And to this day, he's still blaming President Obama, the Democrats, you name it, for what's happening now. And that's when you can't trust your leaders, when they're not willing to say, I made a mistake. If the president would just come out and say, yeah, I was wrong when I said anybody can be tested, even though the vice president was out saying we don't have enough tests for everybody. And today, again, on March 18th, we still don't have enough tests for everybody. We're still behind the curve of what the rest of the world is doing. And it's still putting us in grave danger. The president is still not owning it. So am I saying he's horrible and we need to kill him and destroy him? Of course, I wouldn't say any of those things. 
Do we need to beat ourselves up for it all? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying let our eyes be open to the reality of where we are. That our evangelical need to believe in our political power and to fight to win battles politically rather than trusting God and letting the kingdom advance and saying, hey, maybe this isn't exactly how God wants us to believe, has led us to a place where we've been defending the president so vigorously, even when it's clear that he's not telling the truth. Or being willing to say, yeah, I get it. He shouldn't say that about women or African-American people or cities or you name it. But as long as the Supreme Court justices are going in place and as long as the economy is good, I'm okay with it. Let me tell you about that statement of as long as the economy is good. When we look at through the Bible, do you ever see God saying, as long as your economy is good, that means I'm pleased with you? It's actually quite the opposite. One Bible passage that I've been looking at a lot lately is Jeremiah 5. I may have talked to to you guys about it before. But just, you know, read the whole chapter sometime and see what God is saying to his people in that that passage. But I'll just read the last few verses here, starting in verse uh, 27, uh, the second half of verse 27. It says, therefore they, and he's talking about my people, he's talking about Jerusalem at the time, they have become great and rich. They have grown fat and sleek. They know no bounds in deeds of evil. They judge not with justice the cause of the fatherless to make it prosper. And they do not defend the rights of the needy. Shall I not punish them for these things, as uh, declares the Lord? And shall I not avenge myself on a nation such as this? And he finishes with what I think is a really interesting thing that I'll, I'll talk about how it applies to today. It says, an appalling and horrible thing has happened in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests rule at their direction. My people love to have it so. That's an indicting statement. It says, my people love to have it so. And in other translations, this verse says, and my people say nothing in opposition to it. And then it finishes with the the end, uh, the last segment of that verse says, but what will you do when the end comes? So what we see often through the Bible again and again is God saying to people who believe in him and who are followers of his, if you're fighting for comfort and wealth to take care of yourself and you don't care for the poor and the needy and the foreigners and the marginalized, I will find a way to get your attention. I will show you the folly of their way, of your ways. So I'm going to talk a little bit more about that and why our prophets prophesying falsely speaks to me about today. I'll tell you what I think about what some of our prophets are saying after I tell you a little bit about this. One of the things that uh, I've done is, is written a novel about why the religious right has become religiously wrong. It's called Joseph Comes to Town, and it actually says uh, the subtitle, When the Religious Right Becomes Religiously Wrong. And I want you to, to order this book. If you go to my website, npepodcast.com, click on that Joseph the Novel page. You're at home. You have some spare time. A lot of things are being canceled. Why don't you read my, my novel? It's called Joseph Comes to Town When the Religious Right Becomes Religiously Wrong. And it's a, it's a great read, um, even if I do say so myself. And it's a little bit of insight as to where, how we got here, where we are in the evangelical church, um, how we kind of became these people who are, are easily led about by our political leaders 
and maybe aren't so much listening to what the Bible says about our politics these days. So it's called Joseph Comes to Town When the Religious Right Goes Religiously Wrong. If you go to my website, npepodcast.com, click on the Joseph the Novel button. It'll tell you how to buy it on Amazon or and it'll give you some information and some of the people who are endorsing the book for me. Or I have a special thing I'm doing right now that I would love to have you join me on. It's on our nonpartisan evangelical Patreon page. Again, go to my website, npepodcast.com. Click on that Patreon button. And if you join us there, you'll be able to hear the Joseph uh, audiobook series. I'm, I'm releasing the book. I'm reading it myself and recording it and releasing it in segments at a time. Segment one and segment two are already out. Segment three will be coming, I think, tomorrow. I'm reading this on Wednesday, March 18th. And you'll be able to hear it there. And each time I do a, a special thing, and it's my commentary sort of on what was I thinking when I was writing that part of the book? And what are my thoughts on the topics we're discussing at hand? And so you can get that all by being a part of my Patreon page. So go to NPPodcast.com, click on that Patreon button. There is a $5.99 a month fee to get started there. And if you sign up at the $12.99 level, I will send you a free autographed copy of my book. And it's going to cost you $13 if you want to buy it on your own. This one's free, and if you really want my autograph, you can get it. I'll send it to you for free if you join my Patreon page at $12.99. And it's just a look at, to. it's not tearing anybody down or telling them they're horrible. It's a look at how we got here, how our view of God changed, and, and how a healing of that and a humbling of ourselves to repent and turn from our ways can actually heal our cities, our region, our state, and the world. So check it out. It's Joseph Comes to Town When the Religious Right Becomes Religiously Wrong. Go to my website, npepodcast.com, click on the Joseph the Novel tab, or on the Patreon tab, and you can find out how to get my book, the novel, Joseph Comes to Town. Now back to the show. So I was talking about Jeremiah 5 and and uh, how it says an appalling and horrible thing has happened in the land that the prophets prophesy falsely and the priests rule at their direction and my people love to have it so. I think that's such a pertinent passage for the season that we're in because what has happened is our leaders in our churches, we could call them prophets, are have been telling Christian people, hey, Donald Trump is the guy. And they use this this thing. They say he is King Cyrus. Now, King Cyrus was a, what we would call in biblical terms, a pagan king, a non-Jewish, non-God-following king who ended up being a great king in that he financed the rebuilding of Jerusalem, of, of the country of, of Israel. And, and he did that out of the goodness of his heart, even though uh, Jewish people in the Bible classified him as a, you know, non-God follower that, of, of not a righteous king. But he still did this amazing thing of financing the rebuilding of Jerusalem. And so people have been prophesying that he's the guy to save America. He's the one that's going to bring America back to its Christian roots, that he is King Cyrus to save us all. They've had King Cyrus coins that they sell for $50, and and you can take that coin and pray over it every day. And and I believe there is a time that that if we pray over our country and over our leaders, good things will happen. But this the, this prophecy... Of, of this King Cyrus that has come in Donald Trump is, is really the outgrowth of 50 years of the evangelical Christian church looking for sort of this strongman Messiah to come and save us. I think, on the other hand, 
well, anyway, let me go ahead and say, and that, and that verse says, the prophets prophesy falsely, and then the priests rule at their direction. So so things happen out of that. And some of what I think we've seen in Donald Trump is is having these Christian people around him telling him that, you know, his stuff doesn't stink, and, and, and do whatever you want, boss, go for it. And he would end up saying things like, I can shoot somebody in the middle of Fifth Avenue, and my none of my support will go away. And what we said earlier, 81% voted for him in, in 2016, and they're predicting that a higher percentage will vote for him in 2020. We, we have been convinced by our prophets that we, that we do this. And, and even though the Bible says defending the rights of the needy, making sure there's shalom and justice in your cities are the most important thing. We love the prophecy that says, no, your political power is going to make it right. And if you know the story of Jeremiah, he was living in a time when the prophets were all saying, ah, oh, we know we've got this big enemy in Babylon, but God will never let anything bad happen to us. It's clear that he's pleased with us. Look at our country and look how great it is. But sure enough, Babylon did come and they did destroy the country and they took away Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and a bunch of other people into captivity for 70 years. The prophets were wrong in that day saying, no, we're going to be okay. And I think today the evangelical church has been looking for a strong man savior in politics for so long that we missed. Actually, Second Chronicles 7.14 says, if we humble ourselves and pray and turn from our ways, our land will be healed. So I don't think King, I don't think Donald Trump is King Cyrus. I think he's King Saul. The story of King Saul is that Israel was ruled by judges that that, that God wouldn't allow them to have a king, and things got really bad, and they had some bad judges in place. Samuel's kids were doing a terrible job of being the new high priest, and the people were so desperate for things to turn around instead of crying out to, to God to come and save them from bad leaders and, and sort of turn this thing around. Instead, they said, God, give us a king. All our neighbors have a king. We want a king like our neighbors. And God said, that's a bad idea. You're going to regret that decision. But if that's what you want, I'll give it to you. And he gave them King Saul, and King Saul ended up being a really bad thing for their country. And I believe today that Donald Trump, he's not the problem. He's the manifestation of the problem. And in that, that manifestation is King Saul, that we had a leader at a time when we needed to trust and hear truth and have a leader that would lead us in making sure we took care of what we needed to take care of in the coronavirus. Instead, we had a King Saul who was really for himself and was more worried about the economy being hurt, and I believe how that would hurt his reelection campaign than he was about making sure that the people and the needy were taken care of. And that's when I think Jesus starts turning over tables in our temple when those things start happening. And so here we are today then with this coronavirus on complete shutdown. So what does that mean? What is it if... When God said in Jeremiah 5, what will you do when the end comes? What do we do today? If, if I'm right that Donald Trump was not the guy sent to save us and make sure our economy continued to be robust and not believe like the Pharisees did that God's plan, you know, in the first century, the Pharisees believed God's plan could only come about in Israel as long as Israel was the military and economic power of the world. They were make Israel great again, people. 
and they were wrong that the Messiah wasn't coming to overthrow the despotic Roman government and overturn the government, but the Messiah was coming to be a suffering servant and show the power of not trying to overthrow government, but the power of not being a victim of government. And that if we would take that posture and and say, hey, we're going to care about the poor and the marginalized and not be a victim of taxes and all the things we're a victim of and a victim of those people and a victim of the other side and a victim of immigrants, that we could actually be a powerful change agent from the church in our culture rather than a political force trying to overrun people and thus driving people away from our influence and our voice and our message from heaven then things could change. God could heal our land. But what do we do today? So we are here today. We recognize the follies of our ways. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and heal their land. That's an if then. And I think if we do that now, we could see the church become a force for good. And if you're out there listening to me and you're like, I don't believe any of this Bible hocus pocus stuff, I'm cool with that too. I just want to see the church follow the the, the model of life that Jesus showed that said instead of uh, in, in, when you're told go a mile by a law and you feel like that's unjust, instead of ranting and raving and being nasty and a victim of that, go two miles and be more powerful than the rules against you. And I think if we adopted that that position, if we were willing to sit with the marginalized and have our reputation ruined because we're loving people that don't look very lovely, I think we could actually be change agents for the world. And it doesn't matter whether you believe the Bible or not, uh, you would see it. And in Acts chapter 2, an amazing thing happened. They were in a really terrible financial time. And so what does it say they did? In the church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They followed their leaders. And what came out of it is that they took... they they. Shared meals together on a regular basis. They sold fields, it says, and they gave to everyone who had had need. And out of taking care of one another, God added to their number daily. What if we believed that, church? That if we were generous and took care of people and took care of one another, how amazing could it be that the church's influence would start to transform our cities, our regions, our states, the country, and in fact, the entire world. I believe that's what's at hand for us. What will you do when the end comes, says Jeremiah 5.31. And I think what God is asking is, okay, I'm kind of bringing you to the end of this whole thing. Your belief that King Cyrus was going to save you, now you're seeing that maybe that didn't work out so well. What are you going to do now? And I think if we said, we're going to humble ourselves and pray and seek your face and turn from our ways— I think we could be a force for good in this time. I think we could take care of people and see how amazing the gospel can really be when it's not married to political ideology. I guarantee you we can do it. So what's important for us is to start to say, wow, let's let's repent of having this intertwining of our theology and our ideology and say, we're not going to do that anymore. We're going to be clear-eyed. We're not just going to let Fox News tell us what to do and know. We're not going to let the president tell us, don't believe anything else. We're going to seek information from other viewpoints, and we're going to start to listen to people 
who are different than us. Maybe even on that crazy nonpartisan evangelical podcast where Paul's talking with people about homelessness, about uh, DACA dreamers and immigration and what's going on at the border. Maybe we'll even listen to some of that crazy stuff. And we'll help the president by saying, you know, it's not going to be okay for you to lie to us anymore. We actually will turn away if you keep doing it because now we see the danger of it. I think it could be amazing. Let's try it. All right, so I just pray blessing over your household right now. I pray safety for your health. I just say, God, just take care of us as a nation right now. Let our measures to shelter in place be so amazing that that it shuts all of this disease down. And, and over the next couple of months, we have a bunch of people saying, see, told you it wasn't a big deal. Because the measures that we take, the measures the president gave us yesterday that our governors have been doing so well to give us, for our school district leaders have been doing so well to give us, that it works and we stop this virus in its tracks. We just pray that blessing over each of the households represented to everybody listening here today, our neighbors, our friends, our loved ones, our health care workers, our hospitals, our first responders, everybody out there that is putting themselves in harm's way to make sure we're okay. And to the decision makers who are over it all, we pray blessing. We speak blessing over you. We say we will follow what you say. We will not call you bad names for doing it anymore. We will say thank you. Thank you for being on the front lines, being honest and transparent with us, and letting us know what's going on so that we can make the right decisions for tomorrow. And I pray over our economy. Protect us, God. But even if we go into a recession or even a depression, let us learn the lessons you have for us in this pain so that we can know how to live better, so that we can do better than a $23 trillion deficit to our kids, that we can say, no, that's not going to be okay anymore. We want to we wanna give something better than that to our kids. And I pray that over all of us today. Hey, we're gathering people together in this time through nonpartisan evangelical to do communion and prayer, book discussion groups. We're doing it all online. So while you're home and not sure where you're going, go to my, my Facebook page, the nonpartisan evangelical Facebook page, or join our Patreon page, and we'll find some times to get together and encourage each other and take care of one another in all of this, okay? Well, that's the week that happened right there. Thanks for listening. I'm Paul Swearingen, the nonpartisan evangelical. Be well and be kind to one another out there. Amen.